Good Physics Day, everyone. I've got a special episode today. The guest is me. Fortunately, the host is not me. I, I could do that. I guess I could ask myself questions and then answer them. And that'd be a little bit weird. And it gives me ideas for a new episode. That happens a lot. Don't I say this often on this podcast that uh, some topic that the guest brings up, I say, oh, that would make a great new episode, which reminds me exactly what I do in my classes to my students where we're having a conversation and they bring up a really cool example of physics and said, hmm, I think I want to make a homework problem out of that. Or I want to make a test question out of that, at which point they give me a horrified look and they're shaking their head and say, no, no, don't do that. But I've already derailed my own podcast episode. I could edit that out, but I probably won't. So today, my guest from episode 12, Dr. Brian Lane of Let's Code Physics, the YouTube channel, is going to be interviewing me. But we're sort of feeding two birds with one seed here. Uh, and just so you know, that is a replacement of the killing two birds with one stone. My wife is an avid birder, and she came up with this new feeding two birds with one seed idea, which sounds a whole lot better, is great for bird kind, and I really like it. So I will propagate that, that phrase forward. I had the pleasure of being invited to the Florida section of the American Association of Physics Teachers fall meeting. And this was just held last weekend on October 16th, 2021, at the University of North Florida. And I did not attend in person, but uh, being the state of the world right now and maybe continuing moving forward, there was both in-person and remote attendance op op options. And many folks, in fact, did uh, attend remotely, and there was quite a contingent that was uh, in person as well. So I was very happy to be invited to, to this meeting to be able to speak about Physics Alive. And okay, I may have had a little inside help. Uh, my, my previous guest, Brian Lane, he, uh, he, I believe, was one of the organizers for the meeting, and he thought it might be uh, a cool opportunity to bring me on board. And I thought, yes, that would be awesome. And so we also recorded this, this interview. He, he basically did the interview of me using some of those very same questions that I use with my guests. And I thought that was, I thought that was fun. I thought that was cool. I, I'm happy that, that Brian is a fan of this podcast and, and likes the mission of it. And I'm also a fan of his channel as well. And, and have had a lot of great opportunities to talk about uh, coding in physics ever since uh, that conversation with him back in episode 12. So this was a fun conversation. I enjoyed getting to talk about uh, the mission of Physics Alive. So this episode is going to be a little bit different than the others and the, the fact that the guest is me. So maybe if you've been listening to many episodes, you sort of have a, a sense of, of this show and what it's doing. But it's been interesting for, for me as well because I'm coming up on the, the one-year anniversary of the release of this podcast. So I released the first episodes on November 1st, 2020. And I... I think I'm a lot more clear on, on part of the mission, uh, part of why I started the podcast, and why I even got into being interested in education research and education reform in the first place. So as I've gone deeper into this, I've begun to get a better appreciation for that. And I've, I've found that 
I am now beginning to take on the voices of my guests as well. And this has been sort of a, a amazing. There was a, a panel discussion uh, a panel discussion right after this uh, this Physics Alive session at the conference, and I was invited to be part of the, the panel as well. And I found so many of my answers to, to questions to be inspired by folks that I've talked to. And, and just remembering the conversations I've had with the many guests on the show and sharing and sharing their mission, sharing what they have learned. And this, this has been an amazing part of the journey for me. And uh, I, I don't think in the interview I was able to really e express that that part, but I, I really wanted to share that that like so many of these ideas are now you know taking deep root in me, and and I'm hoping that now that I'm speaking with a, a, a broader audience about the the topic of education reform and and growth and activity that uh, that I'll that I'll be able to sort of be a, a conduit for many folks at at the same time. Uh, because I, I haven't come up with these ideas myself. I'm, I'm learning them over the, the many years, and I, I hope that I can be a voice to, to that. I've sort, of, I've sort of joked with myself, I guess. It's like, I would love to be the voice of AAPT. I would love to be the, the, the voice of, of physics teachers. Uh, a voice, not the voice. I want to be a voice in, in this space. Without further ado, I'm going to start talking so that I can start talking, oddly enough. So thank you, Dr. Brian Lane, for, for being the host for today's episode. I appreciate all that, you've, all that you're doing uh, and all the support you've given this, this podcast. So let's go. Some music first. Welcome to Physics Alive. I'm Brad Moser, and I want to help fellow educators spark new life into the physics classroom. Each episode, I'll draw inspiration from teachers, researchers, and science communicators. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. We are super excited for our first invited guest of the day, uh, Brad Moser from Hamilton College, uh, who for the last year now has been producing the Physics Alive podcast. I did not realize it had been a year until Brad, you mentioned that in a recent episode. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, full disclosure, I have been a guest on this podcast. I was in episode 12, I think, which places me on the first half of that year. I did not realize <laughs> it had been so long. Um, just to give you an idea why you should subscribe to this podcast immediately and start benefiting <laughs> from episode one, um, one of the things Brad does an excellent job at is keeping his conversations with his guests focused on sort of the high level big picture items while also keeping the conversation very actionable. I always feel like I should be scribbling down notes furiously when I'm listening <laughs> on my ride to work, but then I get there and I find I can remember the big idea and my one big takeaway from it. So very appreciative of that. Uh, basically on, on nearly every episode, Brad invites a guest from the physics education world uh, sometimes a little bit adjacent from math education or somewhere else, um, but he's basically working his way down the AAPT directory. Um, most recently, he had a series of guests uh, talking about active learning, uh, including Carl Wyman and Natasha Holmes, which if you've done any sort of physics education reading in the last several years, you've probably come across those names, uh, especially talking about uh, how we teach labs. So what we've invited Brad to do is just give us an overview of what Physics Alive is like, what you can expect in a given episode. Uh, then I've got 
um, a few questions here I would like to ask him just to sort of elicit a little bit more conversation. And then in our last 10 minutes or so, we'll open up the floor for general conversation. As we mentioned earlier, we are recording. And so we would like to make this into an episode of Physics Alive uh, when we uh, get the final version. And so if you ask a question, you may hear yourself on a future episode. So take it away, Brad. Uh, well, thank you so much for, for the invite today. Uh, in fact, there are two guests in the, the episode. Episode number 26, I spoke with Ann Cox. So uh, there, there are two members of, of, of this very uh, session that got a chance to be on. Maybe it'll be everybody, because anybody who's got any idea about education, I, I want to talk with them. Yeah, this this uh, this podcast is definitely a, a passion project. As as many people uh, maybe are starting to you know find that during commutes and while they're folding their laundry and washing their dishes, it's like I would like something to to listen to. And so I, I've listened to a, a number of podcasts like uh, Levar Burton reads. I, I love listening to stories and you know uh, some of the earlier ones like Science Friday. But then I started discovering some of the some of the the education podcasts and you know i've kind of since my my early days of uh, of teaching so i got my phd in 2010 and you know at that point i was already thinking there's there's got to be something different than just standing in lecturing what, what are what are some of the other the some of the other options and i began getting interested in uh in in what there was out there and I, but i've always kind of wanted sort of a repository of where can i go to get this information and yeah there are some books and yeah there's lots and lots of papers that i can go look up but uh you know i i really like the the audio venue and i would love to have something i could listen to and uh as maybe happens uh, often with people it's like if the thing that you want doesn't quite exist yet then you go and create it which is far more work than necessary but at the same time it can also be very rewarding uh so i found it uh, so rewarding to get to 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 talk to folks. I mean, I mean, even just thinking of an example of of Brian Lane here. You know, I hadn't uh, he, he he reached out to me through through Twitter because I was on there, and you know, I didn't know of, of the work he was doing at that time. And now, uh, you know, I'm following what he's doing. I'm really interested now in computation. I've consulted with him a couple of times about how I might be able to try to bring some things into the classroom. So it's already improved my own education, which you know, selfishly. That, that that's a big important piece for me but uh, on the bigger picture side it's can i can i help offer something for for everybody that that you have a way that if you're having a chance to sit and listen that you can learn a little bit of uh, some tidbits about what's happening in the education world what awesome research is going on because we don't have time to sit and read uh, every paper in, in tpt that, that comes out or american journal of physics so getting to talk to the authors, uh, getting to talk about some of those papers, you know, I think it, it is a way to really start helping even more uh, disseminate what's happening in the community. Perfect, perfect. Are you ready for our question and answer time then? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, cool, cool. So uh, if you've listened to the podcast, some of these questions will sound familiar because I figure it's Brad's turn to have some of his common questions. Turn back on him. So Brad, I'd like to start with a moment of gratitude. Who has been an important mentor in your life and career, and what role have they played in shaping your path? Uh, well, I actually forgot a really important part, um, which is my beginning, which is Good Physics Day, everyone. Oh, Good uh, Physics Day. I, I yes. couldn't forget that part. I mean, it's always a Good Physics Day to think about. Uh, who Who is my my mentor? You know, it's it's interesting. Um, in in my interview with with Carl Wyman, he was one of the first ones who who sort of said, well, he didn't really have a mentor per se. It was sort of influences around him. And 
It's a little bit like that for me, at least getting into the education research idea. I was sort of in a, I was in a, a void all by myself, you know, surrounded you know, at a big R1 institution, getting my PhD. And it, it really, it wasn't a thing that was being talked about. So I sort of, I sort of found it on my own. But I would say my, my mentors were, were the authors that I was reading. You know, I found Eric Mazur's peer instruction book. Uh, I found uh, Randy Knight's uh, Five Easy Lessons in Teaching Physics. And, and these, these were the, the places where I, I started. And then it's upon looking at all the resources that were available then that, uh, that I really started getting into it. Um, I, I think my first live in-person mentor though was uh, when I got to the University of New England, uh, that was my first teaching role out of graduate school. My colleague, Jamie Visenka, was somebody who has been in the modeling instruction world for, for many, many years. And I was just really excited to come on board and start working with him. And he had has been such a, a mentor for, for me. Like kind of when, when should I pull back and maybe not take on too much? You know, when are good places to dive into things? And just being somebody to really bounce ideas off of and getting into the modeling instruction world, getting into the, the physics for the life sciences world, you know, he, he helped sort of form some of those, those bridges for me to, to get into those spaces. And, and without, without his role in my life, and he's such, he's just such an amazing person with terrible jokes. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a great person to be around. So he, he is, he has meant so much for me. So I'll, I'll definitely have to share this episode with him to let him know that. Awesome. Awesome. Probing a little bit more on that. So, so many folks who focus on, on physics education or physics education research typically start with kind of the traditional, you know, discovery research path. And then there's kind of like what you were describing this moment of realizing, wait a minute, nobody's talking about how do we actually teach this stuff? Or at least nobody around me is talking about how do we actually teach this stuff? Can you say a little bit more about how that switch got flipped mm -hmm. in your mind? Interestingly, I feel like a lot of the guests I speak to have also had successful careers in, in research, not on education, and they've had success in education. I never bothered with a successful career in regular research. Uh, I just skipped right past that because I, I decided during my graduate school days, uh, that's not what uh, lit me up. The, the days when I had a long research day in the lab, I barely could get myself out of bed by 10 a.m. and, you know, wanted to leave as soon as possible. But the days when I had a chance to be teaching, whether it was uh, as a teaching assistant in a lab or when I had a chance to teach some full lecture courses as, as a graduate assistant, uh, those were the days that I was staying in the office till midnight trying to figure things out and waking up the next day at 8 a.m. excited. You know, it was exhausting on one hand, but on the, on the other hand, it was it was very enlivening and I, I realized like this is like this is really where I want to put put my energy and and I, I think I found it, it came back to again um came back to my interaction with students being at uh, some of the bigger universities from first my master's degree and, and then my my PhD being a TA and and helping out with those courses I often found that this there was a lot of frustration on the student end and that they just didn't feel heard, that, that they felt the content wasn't relevant for them, that uh, they didn't, weren't learning anything, that deriving equations didn't mean anything. And, you know, there's a lot of common complaints that students just need to get over themselves. <laughs> but on the other hand, there's a lot of things they say that, well, no, actually, they're, they're making a good point. Maybe we're not really reaching them with the, with the way they, they could best be reached. They're not, they're not being heard. They're not having a class that's engaging for them. 
And, you know, I, I just kind of started seeing this, this message again and again, and it just it kind of got in my brain, there has to be something different. It's like, this doesn't, like, even when I'm sitting in the back of those lecture classes myself, it's like, this doesn't feel right that the professor is whipping through 70 slides in, in 30 minutes and, uh, and that the students are expected to know everything there to be able to solve every problem. It's like, that doesn't feel right. And they're just sitting there scribbling down notes or sleeping, one of the two, and, and maybe their outcomes are similar regardless of which they did. Uh, and I didn't... I didn't like that, and it kind of got the, the 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 gears turning until, like I said, sort of around 2008, 2009 is when I started picking up some of the books and realizing, ah, there are people who have been paving this new path for quite a number of decades already, and and I'm really interested in that. And for reasons unknown, that's that's I mean, in a way, it's like that's what grabbed me, and I rolled with it. Now that you tell that story, I'm starting to wonder if it might ever be possible someday in the future where. The PER world has grown so pervasive and recruit so many students. I wonder if any students will ever have the opposite experience where they say, I worked for the PER group, I was all into physics education, then I tried doing discovery research for the first time, and now that's all I want to do. Like I, <laughs> I haven't heard that story yet, but I uh, it might be possible. Which is great too, because right, yeah. I mean, it's all it's all needed. This world needs all of it. And you just have to find your own strengths, right? And and dive into that. Exactly. So tell me a little bit more about sort of the seed ideas behind Physics Alive. Uh, you talked about, you realized there wasn't this resource of a, a nice condensed sort of introduction to a lot of the innovative stuff going on in physics education. But what made you particularly choose the podcast as your venue? Why not a blog? Why not a YouTube series? Why not an encyclopedia? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the biggest question for me and my wife sometimes is why, why didn't I go the route of writing? Um, she's, she's always thought I, I'm a writer. I have books in me and, and maybe that'll be true someday. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't want to go the direction of, of, of the blog, but uh, again, yeah, the podcast, it was something that I've, I've just been listening to so many of them. Um, you know, just to throw a few, few names out, the, there's one called the Ed Surge podcast, which I really enjoy. Uh, there's one I've been listening to for maybe five years now, uh, Teaching in Higher Education, uh, Teaching in Higher Ed with uh, Bonnie Stahoviak. Uh, that's, that's been a great show to listen to. And, and they're just shows that are more broadly about education, and I've just really enjoyed them. And, and being able to, during my morning commute, to be able to sit and learn something about education, kind of inspiring me going into the day. And I thought it's like this, this could be really cool for, for physics to have it just be physics and, and STEM specific. You know, I, I think there's there, there's a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in in me as as well. Like there there's always you know the the, the rock star part of you is always like if I go big, it's like this will be my thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know if one goes big in in, uh, in in podcasting about physics education, but you know there's the, there's that little thing in the back of your mind that is like I can do that as my living. Uh, but you know if that doesn't happen, this is also a whole lot of fun to be able to to do this. I I, I really like this audio part. I. I love getting to to speak about these topics. Um, there, there's something about the 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 introvert being able to easily talk to one person or to a microphone and seemingly nobody in in front of them. And I, I think I think physics physics is chock full of introverts. So I think there's probably a lot of head nodding. It's like yeah yeah. It's like I, I think that's why we enjoy the the teaching role so much. That you know there's that. It, I mean, it's it's almost kind of um, paradoxical at this point that. It, it's like there's there's this ability for us to be that sage on the stage as the introvert, and we like being in that role and being able to talk about what we're doing. But but now, <laughs> interestingly enough, we're we're learning that the 
maybe the, the extrovert skill of, of guiding conversation and of, of being on the side and of working with lots of people is, is, is a place where, um, you know, real valuable education can happen as well. So that's, uh, so, so that's an interesting little, little paradox that we introverts have to, to deal with a little bit now, I think, but, but yeah, I just, I just love this, this audio venue and uh, getting to talk about, about these topics. So how do you hope educators will use your podcast episodes? I hope they will find some ideas to act on. Um, obviously you're not going to act on every single one. Uh, I do at the end of every episode, I do give a little, uh, sort of a little, here's your action step for this week. And I try to not make it here, redesign a new course every, every single time. Uh, it's usually more about maybe go check out that website. They mentioned, go, go check out that paper. They talked about, try to maybe think about changing that one thing. And I, I don't, I don't really think you, you can't do that for every single episode. Uh, especially if I ever am able to get these out weekly, which I would love to be able to do uh, at this point, impossible. But at, at some point, if, if that's able to happen, then the action steps are fast and furious and, and that'd be a bit too much. So I, of course, don't expect everybody's going to try everything. But if there are certain things that, that resonate, uh, certain ideas, a certain guest that it's like, wow, that was really exciting. It's like, I wonder if I could bring that into my course. Uh, you know, to me, it's almost it, it's a win if there's just one episode out of you know the 31 that that you've picked up and said oh i'm gonna do that and you've changed something in your classroom and it's been a positive experience and you feel more enlivened it's like right there that would be that all of this this effort was was worthwhile um even if you try nothing and you just feel a little bit more inspired a little bit more interested in what you're doing that you're sharing uh, ideas uh that that is awesome too so i, I think there's there are so many there's so many ways that that it could be used Although one that I'm hoping to, to do along the way is that I don't know if it's as necessary in, in college education, but certainly I think in high school education, there's, there's often counting professional development hours. And what I actually hope to do is that for along the way for each episode I have, maybe I have some kind of little, almost little worksheet that goes along with it. You know, something that you could fill out a little bit, you know, write some things down. Um, I, I, I'd be interested in talking with like department chairs and, and, and science department chairs in high schools and think about what, you know, what evidence could teachers show that, you know, they listened to this episode, they jotted a few notes down, they, they thought about it, maybe they made a little change that, that could actually count that towards the professional development side. That's, that's a piece that I'm thinking of. It's like, how can we transfer just listening into something uh, maybe that's recognized uh, as, as meaningful professional development? So piggybacking off of that, um, what's kind of your next major goal for the podcast? Where would you like to see it go in the next 50 episodes? I love interviewing guests. So that that's one that I want to continue doing about education research itself. But a couple of the other ideas I've had along the way, and, and one of them I've, I've enacted once, and I'm sad I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, there, there was one episode I did on the, the May edition of the Physics Teacher Journal, and I took uh, four articles out of it, and I read them, and I highlighted them like crazy, and I just talked about them uh, on, on my podcast. And that's been one of my most downloaded and listened to episodes. So, so clearly, folks have really enjoyed that, getting sort of a, a sneak peek into a couple of the, the articles. And I tried to sort of pick a diverse array um, uh, and from authors from like around different parts of the world to, you know, to kind of show some of the things that are going on out there. So um, that was a really well-received episode and I would love to do something more of that. I've got lots of papers 
print it and sitting on my desk and the, the, the time to do it just, just hasn't get, um, uh, shown itself yet. But one of the other ones that I really want to do is, is really get into, you know, sort of bringing physics alive through the topics we can bring into the classroom. And I would like to make episodes that students can listen to. And uh, the, the, first, the first one of these that I really have in mind, well, I, I think the biomimicry episode I did was sort of like that. So I, I talked to two members of the Biomimicry Institute and biomimicry is this kind of a, a amazing mixture of, of biology, physics, engineering and entrepreneurship and, and trying to create solutions to kind of the, the world's burgeoning uh, environmental problems. And uh, it, it's something that I think could be valuable for students to listen to. They learn about biomimicry and, and they could start thinking about the types of projects that could be done. So in, in a sense, that was, I think, an example of an episode like that. Uh, but, but one I have yet to do the interview for, but it's, it's getting scheduled now, is um, I'm, I'm going to speak with somebody from uh, the trekking pole company, Lecky. And I want to talk about the physics of trekking poles. I, I love hiking, so I'm going to start with something that I'm really interested in. And, and we'll talk everything about, say, the, the biomechanics of the human body and why it's valuable to have trekking poles, but then also the physics of the poles themselves, locking mechanisms, you know, friction, stiffness, material that it's made of. So just really kind of a, a deep dive into, you know, here's how we can use physics in like kind of a many layered way uh, with, you know, kind of a, a device that one might use in, in regular life. So that, that's an episode that I'm really excited to, to be doing soon. I've had some, you know, preliminary conversations, uh, with, with somebody from the company. And if that kind of gets, is, is a well-received episode, I would love to do things like that, that can be used in the classroom. So kind of now having multiple avenues that, that this podcast can be valuable for, for educators, both for inspiring, learning to do new things, and even bringing, bringing the content into the classroom itself. Oh, that's great. So my last question, then we'll hand it over to our audience here for Q&A. Um, thinking more broadly, what do you hope to see next in the world of science education? Oh man, that is a hard question, isn't it? You know, I, I asked that one. There has been so much amazing research done uh, for, for decades now in, in physics education. And the question comes up, and, and this certainly was a big topic, uh, you know, speaking with Louis Delarier and, uh, and Carl Wyman, uh, it's like, why isn't it more widely adopted? What is that going to take? You know, there's so much evidence now that shows uh, these, uh, many varied active learning types of environments really are so much better for, for education. How can we help that be more widely adopted? And, and of course, that, that's, that's one of my, my goals of the podcast as well. It's like to, to try to get, you know, help get this information out here in just another way. You know, there's many ways it's getting out there. What's another way we can get it out there? Try to get it in, in, in chunks that are a little, you know, can be manageable, actionable. Um, but I, I really hope to see that, you know, and, and research should obviously continue in education research, absolutely. But there's so much great stuff that's done. And I really want to put my focus on, you know, how can we, how can we get out there what has already been done? How can we help uh, inspire, encourage, uh, and, uh, and assist people who want to begin using it in their classroom? Because it's not an easy transition. Uh, it, I don't think it is, it's easy at, at all. It, it can be a scary jump. The students can bark about it and, and complain because they were so used to sitting pa uh, passively listening and that seemed fine to them. 
so so there there are a lot of factors that have to be considered, a lot of buy-in for the faculty, for the students. But you know what what's the support that that we can give to help to help get more people there? So uh, so I, I think that's that's one big piece. Uh, and then another big piece is uh, as as Brie Barnett Dreyfus put it in in my episode uh, about the step up program. It's like physics has an image problem. Uh, that you know it's it's been this this white male dominated field for for so long and it's sort of the slowest one to be changing right now and and I, i've talked i've talked to a number of, of guests about this and it has become a, a piece that I, I really want to make sure i'm paying attention to with this this podcast that it's not just about educational initiatives but it's also about where are we in the physics teaching world what what good can we do to help make it a, a more diverse place, a more in, inclusive place that we can that we can welcome uh, physicists from from everywhere uh, around us and make it a welcoming space for for absolutely everybody. So that's a piece that's important to me that that I think there's a lot of work to be done in in the world uh, and that I, I think physics we we can really jump into that and and lend our hand there and really make this um, a, a better you know a better discipline than than when we came into it. Um, so I think those are kind of my my two my two big things that I'm I'm hoping to see. Well, then on that last point of representation, you absolutely do an excellent job of that on the podcast with your selection of guests, the question you ask them, and just you letting them tell their story and kind of have the floor and using your voices is a wonderful example of how we can move forward with that. So thank you. All right. Why don't we open the floor for questions from our audience? If you've listened to an episode, feel free to ask a particular question from an episode. <laughs> Uh, or if you've not, uh, the floor is open for Q&A with Brad here. Uh, hi, Brad. My name's Joe. I work here at UNF. So my question is it's just about podcasting. You're the first actual podcaster I've ever communicated with. And so I hope this isn't too off the wall, huh? Um, <laughs> do, you, do, you get, do you get paid for your podcasts? And, and, and do you have like media sponsors and all that sort of thing? Or, uh, I do not, with the caveat of the word yet. Um, uh, right, right now, and I, I think a lot start on on the free aspect of things. Uh, my my hope is that I I can make a little bit on the side. Um, it, at the very least, the cover expenses uh, because they're you know website costs and and podcast hosting costs. You know, I'd like to get some fancier equipment. You know, I've got some decent stuff, but you know, I left my microphone on campus. I'd love to also have a good microphone at home so I could you know not have to travel back and forth. So I actually started a, a Patreon page. Uh, if, if you are aware of, of the Patreon world. So basically I can get, get sponsors through that, you know, basically just people donating. So that's kind of my first step in, into thinking about that. Uh, there's lots of different avenues. I've listened to, you know, bunches of business podcasts, uh, which I'll have to say, you know, give credit to some of those for inspiring me to even get, uh, to get started with jumping into the world of podcasting. You know, I, I blame, have you ever heard of Pat Flynn? I, you know, I, I blame him for, you know, really lighting a fire under me to, you know, to give something to try. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm hoping that along the way, there'll, there'll be a little revenue that, that, that comes in just to like, at the very least, pay for some of the costs and maybe sort of re replace some online sections that I teach on the side to make a little bit of extra money. It's like just, just to have a little extra pocket income from this would be awesome. But uh, at the moment, you know, I, I think it starts slow. So not yet. But if you know of any, uh, you know, wealthy donors who are looking to support it, you know, let me know. <laughs> Maybe a related question, Brad, when it comes to your annual report, where do you place this activity? You know what? I have, uh, oh boy, I've not really had an annual report since I got it going yet. Okay. 
I do, well, since I have been in uh, lecturer positions in the past, I'm, I'm currently, well, I used to be called a lab technician role. Now it is uh, an assistant, uh, assistant professor of instruction. So I have no research obligation. So at the moment, it doesn't, I don't need it to count for something, but uh, it's one of those that I'm sure it doesn't hurt. So I definitely I'm thinking of in terms of putting it under my my scholarly activity and as sort of my my outreach effort. Yeah, right. So, Rob, you talked about the episode where you did a summary of some physics teacher articles, and you enjoyed that one. I was wondering if there are any other sort of top hits or favorites. Looking back at all the ones you've ever done, any ones which were your absolute favorites? Oh yeah, okay. So I, I pulled up my I pulled up my episode list just so I can kind of scrape through. I mean, it was really exciting to talk with with Carl Wyman. You know, I felt a little fanboy on that one. You know, getting to speak to somebody that was a Nobel laureate and then has gone on to help create you know create the the FET project and to be doing so much. So that was uh, that was one of the ones I felt a little a little nervous for. Uh, I was really excited to do my episode with Karen Catlin. Uh, she wrote a book called Better Allies. And I had um, subscribed to her newsletter um, over a year ago. And, and in the newsletter, she gives five little tidbits about how we can be uh, better allies in our workplace. And it was, it was something where I, I'd followed her work for a bit. And I, you know, just in those little tidbits, I found so much value for, for myself and started changing the way I was thinking a little bit. And so I was really excited to get a, a chance to, um, to talk with her. Oh, what are some other ones? Uh, it was... Really fun conversation with uh, Rhett Elaine, uh, who who does a, um, a lot of posting, uh, sort of like blog style posts with uh, Wired.com, and makes a bunch of videos. So that that was a really fun conversation. I remember um, we we laughed a lot in that one. Uh, Joe Reddish, uh, that was episode seven for me. I really res respect Joe and the work he's done, and um, you know he's so involved with that intro physics for the life sciences, which, which is a field that I jumped into. So. Uh, so, so he and the work he has done has been such sort of a mentor from a distance for for me, and uh, I just I just love talking with him. He, he's one of those that I'm already thinking about bringing him back on the the podcast to talk with uh, again. You know, I'll have to say on on a personal note, you know, the the, the episode with. Uh, with Brian Lane here, uh, you know, I learned so much from from that one. Coding, I've always felt a little trepidation, and and he's definitely helped change my attitude about that. And it's also exciting because I feel like there's also a friendship that has emerged from that episode as well, and 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 that has been uh, sort of a sort of a little extra little extra bonus. I know, yeah. I just look at my list. I love all my episodes. I've loved talking with everybody. Uh, I, I tell my wife every time I, I finish uh, an interview that it's like I just feel enlivened and uplifted and like there's sort of this energy coursing through me it's like that was an amazing conversation I felt like I learned so much I feel uh, so much more passion for this field of education so um so that <laughs> that that little hit of of dopamine if that is that's what, if that's the one I get uh from from these if I got the right neuroscience there uh it you know makes it makes it worth it for me to do the interview sometimes Maybe we can throw out a question for Anne. Anne, what was your experience like being a guest on the podcast? Yay! <laughs> um, it was it was it was really great. Honestly, Brad is a great interviewer. So if he contacts you, say yes. You'll learn a lot about what you do and why you do it <laughs> by talking with Brad. Honestly, um, it was a great experience. I was nervous about it and afraid that I was going to say something that would make me look foolish or something. It was 
it was a lot of fun. So, yeah. <laughs> he also edits these very well. So Yes. <laughs> if there's anything that you say and like, I don't like that, it's like, I'll take it right out. It's no. fine. <laughs> no, and no. And I, I enjoyed that. Uh, the, I enjoyed the conversation with, with Ann and, and Brad Talbert. Uh, those were uh, also more episodes I would love to do because AAPT hands out so many awards. And I feel like I should talk to everybody who, who gets one. But I just kind of focused in on the two like education ones and said, let's just do a little interview about that. Those have also those were also very widely listened to and like downloaded quickly compared to some of my episodes. So uh, it, it seemed like there were folks who were interested in, in hearing sort of something that was very recent. And it was just it was just great learning from you know educators that have been impactful in the community and have garnered the attention from folks around them as having done an amazing job. And, you know, after those two conversations, I'm like, well, yeah, of course, I just heard this person. They're an amazing human being. And when you let an amazing human being teach students, then uh, good things are going to happen. So, and thank you for being an amazing human being. <laughs> uh, Joe again. Um, so uh, it just occurred to me, uh, since you're all the virtual media stuff, can you like interview people from different countries who are speaking different languages? Is there like software that will convert language quickly enough that you can like interview some, you know, talk to a Russian Academy of something, something sciences, if they'll let you, if they'll let them, I mean. <laughs> that is a really interesting question. Uh, my mind had not gone there yet. Um, I wonder, I mean, with, uh, I feel like with a YouTube video, be, um, you could have that conversation and you could have the transcription below. Uh, I don't know what, uh, what an audio trans, um, you know, closed caption would, would sound like that would be really obnoxious that, I mean, I guess I hear it in, you know, radio interviews, uh, where you, like you kind of hear the, the, the voice in the other language sort of, um, faintly in the background and then, and then the American translation, the English translation. There's a uh, Patreon poll for you to get a, a <laughs> translator service. There you go. Um, no, that's a really interesting idea, though, and it would uh, open up a world of possibilities, quite literally. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin Thomas in chat says, already downloading episodes. Super excited. For the next All right. So I'll, see a, do... I'll see a spike today. In my, uh... yeah, you'll see a little spike today. <laughs> what a, what? What data do you get on your podcast performance? Do you get subscribers, downloads? What what metrics are you looking at? <laughs> There's so few metrics in the podcasting world, and and podcasters all around are very dismayed that it's not the same sort of metrics that so something like YouTube has. Uh, basically, I can see how many people downloaded an episode in a given day, and that's that's it. That that's all I get. <laughs> It's like how many how many downloads a particular episode got and sort of the aggregate of all of them. So um, so I know they're being downloaded uh, and that's motivation enough to keep going at this point. <laughs> awesome. And then Leela Tosh in chat just subscribed on Spotify. On Spotify, perfect. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, I guess the other, the other big difference between podcasting and YouTube is because I'm, I have a YouTube channel and I can see all of my stats because they're all coming from the same place. With a podcast, people are downloading it from who knows how many services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, I, you don't even know if you'll necessarily get all those numbers. Yeah, I, I don't even know if, you know, somebody listened for five seconds and then stopped listening and it was counted It was counted as a download. Uh, so, yeah, I really have very little information. But, uh, you know, I occasionally get emails from folks saying, that was a great episode. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, so uh, I, I know somebody's listening all the way through. Um, so that's that, that works for me. <laughs> 
and your this is Joe again, and your main like um, platform to, to launch your stuff out there for the in the first place, that's Spotify or like when you uh, no, so I I um I use a podcast hosting service called Podbean, but there are many many different ones. Uh, but basically, uh, the file gets uploaded. There's an RSS feed created, and then I've submitted that to all of the big regular podcast places. So so Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, um, Stitcher, um, a number of others that were recommended. So pretty much. Just about anywhere you would want to be downloading your podcasts, wherever you regularly listen to them, uh, you can find the show there. Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. I know we are due for a morning break. We know you have some obligations to get back to Brad. So why don't we thank our invited speaker? Thanks again, Brian, for interviewing me. Just from my brief two hours with the Florida AAPT participants, fielding their questions about my podcast and joining the panel discussion about issues and course redesign, I could see and hear their energy for education and the care they had for their students. The physics education community is really an awesome place to be. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you can stay up to date with each episode as it comes out. You can also find updates at Physics Alive on Twitter, and that's a great place to comment on the episode and keep the conversation going. You can also reach me at brad at physicsalive.com. If you enjoy the show, leave a five-star rating on your podcast app. This will distribute small, super healthy candies to all the children of the world. Or it will help more educators find the show. It's one of the two. Thanks again for listening in, and I hope you've been inspired to, I guess, keep listening to episodes of Physics Alive. Today's action step, no action needed. Thanks for listening. Keep caring, keep growing, Think about what's most important for yourself, for your students, and find places to pull back and take it easy on yourself. We can be visionaries and change makers and prophets for a new way of teaching and learning. And we can also break the change of conditioned overwork that we experience in the education world. That doesn't sound easy, does it? But uh, it's, it's certainly something that I am going to, uh, to be searching for myself, and I will share what I find. Please join me again for the next episode of Physics Alive. Until then, may you ever be excited about education and to be well.